You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com Network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. We've got a great show, great show, overflowing, kind of like my stomach with cookies. First down, Aaron Rodgers for MVP. Second down, you look at the playoff picture, also known as why you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Third down, what's up with the defense? It's darn good. And fourth down, a roster move, which will be announced later today. But before we get rolling on all that, I'd like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and Locked On Bears with Arthur Arkish. That'll get you ready for Sunday's game. And of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com. Home of the world's best preview. And Pack Report members not only get that, but 10% discounts on tickets through Ticketmonster, gear through Fanatics, and you or renewing members, annual members that is, get one year of Sports Illustrated. With the opening introductions out of the way, let's get right into it. Aaron Rodgers for MVP. How ludicrous would that have sounded? Oh, uh, I don't know, seven or eight weeks ago. Well, this morning while I was waiting for my coffee to go, I, I ran up the numbers here. Um, for the season, Rodgers' pass rating is back up over 100. How about that? I mean, what do you go, what, 15 games in a row without a 100 pass rating at one point, spinning last year and the start of this season, and all the talk goes, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Yada, 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 yada. Nothing's wrong with Aaron Rodgers. Fourth in rating, first in touchdowns, seventh in yards. Here's the numbers that I crunched. Over the last six games, actually, excuse me, the last seven games, he is number one in the NFL in pass rating at 109.5. Matt Ryan next at 109.0. He is number one in touchdowns with 19. Tom Brady is uh, next up with 16. And he's fourth in yards with 2,033. So production-wise, he is as good, if not better, than any quarterback in the league over the last seven games, and you know, obviously, this is all projecting that he keeps this up, which is going to be easier said than done because of, you know, the, the weather in Chicago is going to be miserable. We'll get into that shortly. Um, the weather here on Christmas Eve against the Vikings, who the heck knows? So, you know, statistically wise, you know, maybe he can't quite keep this up. We'll see. Of course, being injured as well. But let's, you know, this is about more than stats, and I'm stats guy, and I am, <laughs> I am. I am president of the Stats are, the Losers for, Stats are for Losers fan club, only because I love stats so much, so it's kind of a, sar- a sarcastic designation. But look what he's had to do. Look, first, of all, first of all, it's the injuries. You know, I don't know whatever the quarterback's gone through. Like, you know, I don't know what Matt Ryan's gone through in Atlanta. Maybe his team is all beat to hell, too. I don't know. But I know what these guys have gone through, and I, you, you hardly need me to rehash all of it. But he, there's, this team has been rocked by injuries, He's had no running game since Eddie since Eddie Lacy went down. And you know, if you want, if you want to talk about injuries, I mean, let's just we can be start and end really right here, right? No Eddie Lacy. There's your end of conversation. So he's he's had no running game, and you know, Ty Montgomery's is helped and and all that. But look, there's a defense in the league that cares about Ty Montgomery running the football. I'm sorry to you know if you're Ty Montgomery, and you're listening to this. I'm sorry, Ty. I'm sure he's not listening to this, by the way. But <laughs> no, nobody cares about Ty Montgomery running the football. 
you're doing the defense a favor probably when you're, when you're running it. So that's the Rodgers. You know, I remember last year where defenses schemed to take away Eddie Lacy. They kept the extra guy in the box all year, and the plan was to take away Lacy, which seemed ludicrous. But that's how that's how little they cared about the passing game without Nelson last year. Is they schemed to take away Lacy. Well, forget that. No one, no one's doing that this year. And he keeps running up all these numbers. And then, of course, he's had no defense either. I mean, other than, other than these last three games, the defense has been terrible. For, for it's been bad to mediocre and to absolutely terrible at times for most or for much of the first ten games of the season. So you really, I mean, winning or losing football games has all fallen on the right shoulder. Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? Last year, and this is my criticism of Rodgers last year, is with, without Nelson, you know, I, I he didn't do enough to carry the low last year. I, I thought the more more pressure that weighed on Rodgers, the more he buckled under it. And this year, I, I think it's the opposite. He's been great. And I, I mean, I go back to Michael Bennett of the Seahawks at that conference call last week when he said that he thought Rod, the difference between Rodgers you know, first half of the season to the second half of the season was Rodgers was just taking what was there rather than looking for big plays all the time. And I, I think we've seen that. Rodgers has, has run this offense with precision. He's making all the right decisions. And it's all, and rather than buckling under the pressure of everything being on him this year, he has really risen to the occasion. So Aaron Rodgers for MVP, I highly doubt he will get it. I mean, so many bad things are written about him. Um during the first six games of the year that I, I highly doubt that he'll get any consideration for this. But you know what? Who would you rather have? I mean, Dallas, you know, Dallas has got uh, the running back Ezekiel Elliott and, and, and the quarterback Dak Prescott. Apparently they're, they're two of the front runners there. Look, Prescott's a good player, but, you know, please. He's not, he's not the MVP of this league. And I saw something on Pro Football Focus the other day comparing – Bears rookie running back Jordan Howard to, to Elliott. And, and in a lot of ways, Howard was the better player, and including running behind, you know, a lot of the, like, yards after contact. I mean, that's the value of a running back, right? I mean, any, any running back can get five yards when the offensive line gets you five yards. It's what, it's what happens when the offensive line doesn't give you great blocking. And pro football focus had some good numbers on yards after contact, and, and Howard was beating Elliott. So, look... I'm sure that number is going to make no difference whatsoever to MVP voters. And can you really give the MVP to a quarterback of, of course, everything in this podcast is based on the Packers winning all these games and going 10 and 6. You know, how can you win an MVP as a quarterback of a 10 and 6 team? I probably not, but I think you can certainly make a case when you look at all the supposed front runners that Aaron Rodgers should be front and center in any conversation. It's Packers at Bears, Sunday at Soldier Field, and it is going to be absolutely miserable. I checked out my weather.com app this morning. A predict, a uh, predicted high. This is the high temperature, folks. Minus one in Chicago. I think it's supposed to be zero up here. So somehow Chicago's getting the short end of the stick. God bless them. So maybe you don't want tickets to that game, but maybe you want to go to Packers Vikings on Christmas Eve at Lambeau. I'll save you some money right here. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at Lambeau Field, or even Soldier Field, I suppose, 
for the biggest games for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want at a great value. I had the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way iPhone to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any other game of the season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase, which I would use on hand warmers. To get that rebate, first download the SeatGeek app. Then you go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Then you enter my promo code, which is L-O-Packers. L for locked, O for on, Packers. L-O-Packers. Then SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app right now while listening to the podcast. Then enter, then get the app, then enter the promo code LOPackers today. All right, second down, we're going to talk playoffs. Now, Mike McCarthy didn't want to talk playoffs on Monday, but frankly, I don't care. I'm going to talk playoffs, whether, whether he likes it or not. Here we go, NFC North, Detroit 9-4, Detroit 9-4. Got, got to say Detroit 9-4. The Vikings are 7-6 and six ahead of Green Bay on that phony tiebreaker. You know, I don't get too up in arms about the tiebreakers when you play a team twice and you've only played them once. So that tiebreaker to me is irrelevant at this point. So it's Detroit 9-4, and four, Minnesota 7-6, and six, Green Bay 7-6. and six. The rest of the NFC, if you want to talk the wild card and all that later, and we'll get into the wild card here in a moment. Dallas, 11-2. Detroit, 9-4. Right there, they, they, are, they are the number one and two seeds. Seattle, 8-4-1. Atlanta, 8-5. And, and those are the other division winners, so they're third and fourth. Wild card. Giants are 9-4. Tampa Bay, 8-5. That's, so that's your top six. Then outside looking in right now, Washington, 7-5-1. Minnesota, 7-6. Green Bay, 7-6. So first, the easiest path here is the division. The Packers' upcoming schedule, the Bears 3-10, home to Minnesota 7-6, then at Detroit, and they're 9-4. The Lions, much tougher schedule here, at the Giants, who are 9-4, at Dallas 11-2, to home to Green Bay 7-6. So for Green Bay to win the division, A, they have to win their game. So Again, like I said before, everything in this podcast is based on Green Bay winning these games. So that gets Green Bay to 10-6. and six. All, the, all Detroit has to do is lose at the Giants or at Dallas. Obviously very doable. I mean, those teams are a combined 20-6. and six. And Matthew Stafford's got a bad uh, middle finger. So I, I, that seems to be a, a pretty gosh darn likely scenario. And I, I know there's been some talk. Will Dallas even play their guys if they have home field wrapped up? I don't know. Um, but it is week 16, right? It's not week 17. I mean, you can't rest your guys for week 16 and week 17 and the first round bye, can you? So I think you got to play your guys. And, you know, Tony Romo's the quarterback, too. So if you're Russ Dak Prescott, you know, Tony Romo's not bad. So I would say 
if Green Bay wins those three games, they will win the division. I, I think I think probably we all probably agree on that, right? But let's just say Detroit somehow wins all those games. And if they do, how they might go to the Super Bowl at that point. Let's look at the wild card race. Tampa Bay, of course, is number six seed. Tampa Bay plays at Dallas, 11-2. So once again, you're, you're a Cowboys fan. Dallas, 11-2. Then at New Orleans, 5-8. Then home to Carolina, 5-8. So if Tampa Bay loses to Dallas, then they have six losses. And of course, Green Bay wins all those games. So they're 10-6. They're so all three, or all three of those games. So that gets uh, Green Bay and Tampa Bay to 10-6. So how, how do you get the tiebreaker there? First tiebreaker, head-to-head. They didn't play each other, so that doesn't work. The conference games tiebreaker is next. They did not. Uh, they, they, they would be tied there. Next tiebreaker is common opponents. Um, they, they've played Atlanta, Chicago, and Dallas, and both teams would be 2-2 two and two in those games. The next tiebreaker is strength of victory. And Green Bay is ahead by a mile there and would only bolster that advantage uh, because, of, because of who they play coming up. So... If it's Green Bay and Tampa Bay tying for the wild card spot, then Green Bay would win, would win out there. Of course, the Packers would have to get past Washington too. Remember, Washington is in seventh place in the NFC at seven, five, and one. Uh, just because the Redskins got that tie, the tiebreaker between the Packers and Redskins is probably irrelevant, unless Green Bay ties the game here too, which of course is probably unlikely. Washington home against Carolina. Carolina five and eight. Um, at Chicago, three and ten. So chances are they win those two games, and that gets the finale is Giants at Redskins. So you hope if you're the Packers and they need this game, if if they were to need that game, that the Giants have something to play for. So I would think Green Bay can pass Tam- or at least get the tie with Tampa. I think Washington's the bigger issue here, but again, pretty clearly the the road to the playoffs for the Packers travels through that Week 17 game at Detroit for the, a, for the NFC North Championship. And one other thing I need to point out, a scheduling advantage for Green Bay for that Week 17 game. It is Lions at Cowboys on Monday night for Week 16, while it is uh, Vikings at Packers on Christmas Eve Saturday. So the Packers get, gosh, almost two and a half days of extra rest for that, for that Sunday game against the Lions. So a, a big advantage worth knowing there that I'm not sure anyone else is even talking about. On the third down, and what's up with the Packers' defense? Remember, Green Bay gave up back-to-back games of 40 points, including 42 at Washington. The last three games, a grand total of 36. And I, I looked it up yesterday for a story over at PackerReport.com. The Packers haven't given up 13 points or less in three consecutive games since the middle of the 2010 season when the defense got hot and led that charge to the Super Bowl. So a remarkable turnaround, and well, you can put an asterisk on the Philly game because you know Carson Wentz has got bad receivers, and the Houston game because Brock Osweiler stinks. You can't put an asterisk on this asterisk on the Seahawks game, can you? I mean, it's Russell Wilson, it is Thomas Rawls, it is Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham. I mean, it is, it's not a great offense, but the O line is not very good. But it's a pretty gosh darn good offense, and I think I think the Packers deserve a, a tip of the cap of getting things turned around. So. So how did they turn it around? Uh, to me, it's entirely on the secondary. You know, you you guys remember this. I mean, you know, Demarius Randall essentially played one quarter of a football game over the span of seven weeks 
between a, a groin injury and then the eventual surgery for that. And Quentin Rollins missed three games with a, with a groin injury. I mean, at one point, their three corners were uh, Ladarius Gunter, Dimitri Goodson, and Micah Hyde. I mean, that was their cornerback trio. And you guys remember me ripping the heck out of Ted Thompson for for forcing Ted or for forcing uh, Dom Capers and Mike McCarthy to rely on those guys at corner. But for the last three games, they've had their their secondary has been intact. Obviously, not Sam, Sam Shields, but their cornerback trio of Ladarius Gunter, Sam, and gosh dang it, Ladarius Gunter, Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins. They played the last three games, and lo and behold, the defense is playing good. I mean. This isn't rocket science. This is a pass-happy NFL. If you can't pass the football, you can't win. And if you can't stop the pass, you can't win. And I'm not saying that Randall, Rollins, and Gunter are Pro Bowl kind of guys, elite guys, but they're pretty good. You know, I think Gunter's shown that given the right matchup, he's a pretty good player. And you know, Randall played a, ter- a terrific game. On Sunday, I mean, that, that interception that he had going into the end zone, that looked like Nick Collins to me. I mean, Nick Collins had that blinding speed where he could just zoom over 15 yards of a blink of an eye and, and make the play. And that was that's what Randall did there. It was a heck of a play there. And then Rollins has played pretty well over the last, you know, I would say three weeks as well. Where, and when he came back from that injury, he really struggled. But he seems like he's gotten he's gotten healthier. And more comfortable, and you know, I think I think that having those three guys back has been has been a big help. And they're going to need them to, going forward too. Obviously, you know, the Bears with with Matt Barkley are going to they're going to run the ball against the Packers. But you know, the Vikings here. I mean, first of all, Adrian Peterson might be back. That's probably worth noting. But you know, Sam Bradford killed these guys in week two, and especially and he especially killed Randall. So they, he's he's going to need to play a good game and. And the and you know we'll see what the Lions do on offense with, with Stafford's injury. You know by the by the time Week 17 rolls around, maybe Stafford will be fine. But the secondary is going to be key. I mean they were 31st in the league in passer rating through 10 games, and over the last three they are. Well, I looked it up yesterday. I think they're eighth or tied for seventh or they're eighth, one or the other. So they they've surged up in passer rating over these last few games. And the key, as Dom Capers pointed out when I asked him on Monday. It's not just the big plays the Packers are making, and they, made, and they made a bunch against Seattle, obviously, but the key has been they've eliminated big plays. I mean, they Seattle had two passing plays for more than 20 yards on Sunday, and one was at the end of the first half when uh, when they when uh, Wilson got got outside the pocket and threw the ball to the fullback of all people, and then it was the, the touchdown pass to Tanner McAvoy with about eight minutes to go on a blowout. So. I'm not not diminishing that, but the Packers have two long passing plays against the Seahawks. So certainly, like like everything else with this team, they're certainly trending in the right direction. And you know, we'll see what happens here going forward. Because I think Green Bay's got some big challenges coming up passing game wise. But Randall, Rollins, and Gunter have played pretty gosh darn good football. And with that, so has this defense. And finally, fourth down, the Packers are going to announce a roster move here at some point today. They've signed linebacker Jordan Tripp, according to ESPN.com's Adam Kaplan. The Packers obviously had 52 guys in the roster with Mike Pinnell's suspension, and they did not fill that for last week's game. They have now. Tripp started one game for the Seahawks this year, uh, probably because of injuries. But 
So he's at least good enough to start one game for the Seahawks this year, one game for Jacksonville last year. He played at Montana, a fifth-round pick by the Dolphins in 2014. Um, he was the a two-time finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award at Montana. That is the FCS Defensive Player of the Year. Heck of a good player there, and it was a hit a great combine in 2014. The 20-yard shuttle, which really is the measurement for linebackers, because it measures change of direction skills and quickness. He ran a 3.96 in the 20-yard shuttle. That was beaten by one defensive player at the combine. And only in they were, I think there were three wide receivers who beat it too. So he was fifth overall at the combine. And second among defensive players. So a, a really a, a terrific athlete. 6'3", 237, so kind of a rangy guy as well. I'm, I'm, every once in a while, the Packers make a move where I know the kids' college background, they intrigue me. And one of those is when they uh, signed uh, tight end Devin Kajuice to the practice squad uh, several weeks ago. Um, I'm interested to see how trip pans out. I mean, he obviously it didn't pan out in Miami or Jacksonville or Seattle. Seattle put him on IR after that one start, and then he got released a week a week later. Actually, got released on Saturday, to be exact. Um, so it hasn't panned out for him. But you know what the heck? Obviously, the Packers have a, have a need there. <laughs> Their starting tandem of Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez played eight snaps against uh, against. Gosh, who? <laughs> geez, I drew a blank against Seattle. You know, that's the, that Seattle team that they just played um, because of injuries. And you know, part of me wonders, and I. I I hesitate to even say this, but you know, I remember the Thursday practice where it was a tackling drill. Blake Martinez tackled the big rolling donut and then got up slowly and dropped out of the drill. I I don't know if he's you know aggravated that to an extent where he's out for a bit longer here or what the deal is, but and maybe that maybe it's if it's nothing else, it gives them some depth where they only had Jake Ryan, Blake Martinez, and, and Joe Thomas as their only inside linebackers. The 2016 Pro Bowl team will be announced next Tuesday, December 20th. I'm sure none of you can wait for that, and I'm sure none of you can wait for the dodgeball game. <laughs> um, Pro Football Focus announced its Pro Bowl rosters. I thought it'd be kind of worth going through here. Aaron Rodgers makes it a quarterback. Aaron Ripkowski makes it a fullback. Interesting note there. Um, and David Bakhtiari makes it at left tackle. So we'll we'll see if if uh, you know Pro Bowl is such a obviously it's such a popularity contest and you know especially especially with the fan voting you you, you pick the guys who you know you pick the big names now, I'm not sure how much name recognition Bakhtiari has around the NFL but he's obviously been terrific he got that big contract extension and no, nothing has changed according to Pro Football Focus he's been their best blocker this year starting only 16 total quarterback pressures. In 13 games, so he's certainly deserving of it. We'll see if uh, if he actually gets that nod. And finally, this is from a couple days ago, and I forgot to pass this along yesterday. The NFL the NFL announced schedule changes for that December 24th slate of games. Fortunately, I think for everybody, and fairly including me, <laughs> the Packers Christmas Eve game against the Vikings will stay at noon. The NFL flexed the Buccaneers Saints game into that 325 time slot. So a big victory for me so I can actually spend some Christmas Eve night at home. And you know what? Probably a big victory for all you guys too. Who wants to have a scheduled Christmas Eve on the Packers playing in the middle of the afternoon? So that's it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you as always for listening. Have a great day. 
And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.